back to Catholic Doctrine Bible Study. This is session 240. I'm your host, Jim Hawk. And in this session, we will begin to look and maybe even finish the final three books of what is called the so-called Minor Prophets. And thus, we will be finishing in this session, or if there is another one, the next section, uh, the Old Testament itself. So, uh, the three books that we're going to look at are uh, all post-exilic prophets. Post, P-O-S-T-E-X-I-L-I-C. What are we talking about here? Well, you'll recall that in Jewish history, the southern kingdom, Judah, was invaded by the Babylonians. They hauled off the best and brightest, and there was, uh, give or take, uh, roughly a 70-year exile from the time that the uh, the Babylonians started hauling people off until the time they were allowed to return. So these three folks that we're going to uh, be studying next and last, Haggai, H-A-G-G-A-I, Zechariah, and Malachi, write after the people are allowed to return back. Okay, so in the pre-exilic prophets, they were saying, hey, man, we're doing bad stuff. We're not following the Lord, and we're going to get it. But the the uh, pre-exilic prophets also said, now, one day, you know, God is, is going to redeem us, and it'll all be okay, but we've got to suffer for what we have done, for, tr- for not trusting God, for... Um, you know, for not being good to our own people and not being good examples, etc. Okay. The post-exilic prophets, they're coming along after and they're the, now the people have returned. So now they are uh, at least, uh, you know, they're allowed to return. Not all of them did return. So, um, the first two of these prophets, Haggai and Zechariah, are writing about 520 BC. So the Jews have already been allowed to return to Jerusalem. Now, what's the first thing they're supposed to do when they get to Jerusalem to show their, um, you know, their allegiance to the Lord? Well, you'll recall that the, the temple was destroyed, right? Uh, in 586 BC by the Babylonians, right? So they're supposed to rebuild the temple. But human nature being what it is, what do you think the people did first, or what do you think they put the greatest emphasis on when they returned to Jerusalem? You guessed it. They were more concerned with building their own houses and uh, using their wealth for their own personal reasons than in, uh, you know, building, uh, showing their devotion for the Lord by rebuilding the temple. Uh, they were also fraught with uh, some construction problems brought on by the Samaritans who were kind of upset that the, uh, the Jews were going to rebuild the temple because the Samaritans, you'll recall from previous lessons, uh, were kind of a mixed race, if you will. Uh, they kind of held some kind of a connection to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob. But at the same time, they did not worship, uh, they, they were not worshiping in the original temple in Jerusalem for the 500 years before that. They had uh, their own temples, which uh, the uh, southern kingdom of Judah thought were uh, a profanation, uh, you know, an abomination um, to the to the Lord anyway. 
So they had some problems there, but then at the at the same time, there was human nature taking uh, taking over, and uh, the people were not uh, doing their best to rebuild the temple. So with that in mind, let's turn first to the book of Haggai, uh, or Haggai if you prefer. And uh, I already mentioned that uh, this would have been written about 520 BC. So the people have come back. Uh, now, what I want you to write in your margins there is for background information, for background information, write Ezra, E-Z-R-A, uh, one, chapters one through six for background. Okay, and that'll give you, if you read Ezra chapters one through six, you'll kind of get a sense of what's going, going on here. So just so we know the players here, the uh, Haggai is a prophet. Zerubbabel is, the, is supposed to govern the people, okay? And he, by the way, rebuilds the temple. You can read about that in uh, Ezra. Okay, and then... Uh, we've got the high priest at that time is Joshua, not to be confused with the Joshua that uh, led the people into the promised land all those uh, years before, right? Different guy, Joshua. And by the way, Joshua is another way of saying Jesus, okay? And so he starts out, hey guy, in chapter one, and he's uh, excoriating the people for spending more time and effort and money on uh, building their own houses and not the temple. He says, and this might be worth underlining, verse 4 of chapter 1, Is it time for you to dwell in your own paneled houses while this house lies in ruin? And um, consider your ways, uh, chapter 5. So you might want to ask yourself, Am I supporting the church uh, the way that I should, or am I spending all, all the money on stuff for, for myself? Just a question to ask yourself. So even though this book was written, uh, you know, 2,500 plus years ago, uh, some of these truths are still timeless today. What is it that you are spending your time, your talent, your treasure on? Okay. And uh, he he says, uh, you know, you're you're not being blessed as you should, because you are. Uh, uh, he says in in verse nine, uh, you expected much, but it came to little. And what you brought home, I blew away. For what cause? Says the Lord of hosts, because my house lies in ruins, while each of you hurries to your own house. Okay, so. You may or may not choose to uh, underline verse 9. So Zerubbabel, uh, again, he's the governor, and he says, okay, let's go. I'll just summarize, you know, let's let's go. We're going we're gonna to build this thing. And so they're going to build the new temple, but in chapter 2, we find that the new temple ain't going to be as big as Solomon's temple, which was knocked down in 586. And some people are complaining about that. And, you know, they don't like the new temple. But, um, you know, Haggai says about that, um, I will shake, verse 7 of chapter 2, I will shake all the nations and the treasures of all the nations will come in. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. 
and uh, he says, uh, take, uh, anyway. Um, so, um, the, the new temple isn't going to be as big, but it's going to be just as glorious. Well, you know, ultimately that temple that uh, Zerubbabel builds, just as a little bit of history, in the time that Christ was growing up, King Herod, yes, the evil King Herod, he did do some good things, and he was adding on to this temple, you know, and he was making it um, bigger and and better. But nonetheless, that Herod died, of course, and we know all the other things that he did in, in his lifetime, particularly with regard to an attempt to kill Jesus, etc. Uh, but then we know that this temple that we're talking about here in Haggai that gets rebuilt, that also will be destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD. So what about, what about this prophecy that the new temple will be, you know, filled with, filled with glory. And, uh, the future glory of this house will be greater than the former. Okay. Well, what, what can we make of that? Well, what did Jesus say? Jesus is the new temple, right? And so if Jesus is the new temple, he is eternal. And, uh, you know, he has paid the price for us who choose to follow him. And, uh, and so in that sense, that the temple is, is continuously got greater uh, when you know when Jesus um, made himself the the new temple. You know, Jesus himself said, "You know, knock this temple down." Now this is in his day, of course, and I will rebuild it in three days. And um, uh, and what he was referring to was his own resurrection. So. Uh, Moving on in chapter two, Haggai says, uh, you know, be clean before you go to worship. So uh, um, he, he says that in verses 10 through 14. In essence, be clean before you go to worship. So you may want to write that in your margins of chapter two between verses 10 and 14. Uh, be clean before you go to worship. So what does that mean to us as Catholics? Well, if you have some unconfessed serious sin, get to confession. Cleanse yourself. Uh, do an examination of conscience. Get to confession. Uh, make yourself clean in that you have presented your, your uh, confession and your sorrow for your sins to the Lord. And you know that he'll forgive you um, if you are sincere. Okay. And then he, he says, uh, hey, Zerubbabel, near, near the end of uh, chapter 2, um, he, he says, uh, you know, look, Zerubbabel, I'm going to take you and uh, you, I have chosen you. And um, Zerubbabel, by the way, um, this is at the very end of, uh, of chapter 2 of Haggai. Zerubbabel is in Jesus' genealogy. So if you, you want, might want to circle the word Zerubbabel anywhere you see it, one place would be chapter 2, verse 23. And you might want to write in your margins, Zerubbabel is in Jesus' genealogy. And you could write uh, to prove that, Matthew chapter 1, verse 12. 
So Zerubbabel here is, you know, the political leader. He's not quite a king, but he's, we'll say, the governor, if you will, appointed governor, but he is Jewish. And Joshua is the priest. So here we have talked about the high priest and the king. Well, what is Jesus? He's book, and, and of course, uh, here, uh, Haggai is the prophet. Well, what is Jesus? We are told in he, in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament that Jesus, uh, transcends all of those titles. Jesus is priest, prophet, and king all at once. Okay. Now we move into the book of Zechariah. Okay. Written at about the same time as Haggai writes above about 520 BC. And uh, so he's talking um, um, in, in Zechariah. He talks about in chapter one, the necessity of conversion. And then he has some, some visions. You know, he ends up having like eight visions in, in one night. And in essence, he predicts defeat for the enemies of the people of God. And we know that that will be true, if not on this earth, then certainly at the uh, the final judgment, uh, the eternal judgment, if you will. Uh, you know, the bad guys can even win on this earth, but their time is limited. I've heard it said before that, uh, you know, some people say that crime doesn't pay. Well, it does pay, or it can pay, but it has an awful retirement plan, okay, if you're talking about an eternal retirement plan. So chapter two, he's got this image of the four horns and the four blacksmiths, and the horns represent the people that are evil to uh, Judah and Israel, and the blacksmiths represent, you know, God's forces to um, um, destroy the enemies of the people. Uh, Zechariah has a vision of a new Jerusalem, and uh, He's, he's, uh, he's gives us a little bit hope here, a little bit of hope in verse 14 and on of chapter two. He says, I am coming to dwell among you, says the Lord. Now, who would that be? Well, uh, we're about 520 years too early, roughly, but, uh, that is ultimately going to be Jesus. Of course, we said before there are, uh, near term fulfillments of the prophet's claims, and then further term fulfillments of the prophet, uh, prophet's claims. The near term fulfillment is what's happening in Zechariah's day as he is writing this. He's got Zerubbabel as the governor, and he's got uh, Joshua the high priest. Okay. And uh, so that's, you know, kind of what uh, Zechariah is looking for, talking about for his exact uh, days. And he says, uh, you know, in the future, uh, verse 10 of chapter 3, um, you will invite one another under your vines and fig trees. In other words, life is going to be good. You know, it's all going to be great one day. But he likes to go back and say uh, how, how things are you know, are, are going to be good. But before that, you know, we, we still have some things to work out, right? Um, and so when he talks about the two anointed in chapter 4, verse 14, um, you may want to underline this. 
These are the two anointed who stand by the Lord of the whole earth. What he's talking about, if you want to write this in your margins, is Joshua and Zerubbabel. That is to say, the high priest and also the the governor, the who's actually also uh, Jewish. Well, uh, it looks like we're about out of time now, so uh, we'll pick on, on this on Zechariah uh, chapter five and on in the next session. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Uh, Lord, reflecting on these uh, first two uh, two uh, books uh, that we're looking at in this section, Haggai and Zechariah, hey, uh, they've gotten through, the people have gotten through their exile, and so the immediate disaster has been repaired. Now they're supposed to do something. Well, we in our own lives, we get through disasters, and we pray that when we get through our own disasters— we don't just say, whew, glad we're done with that. Now it's back to business as usual, but that we give the best of what we have to you in our time, talent, and treasure, just as Haggai and Zechariah are urging us to do with our behavior, with our treatment of others, etc. So we thank you that for the timeless truth that we must always return to you in good times and in bad, and uh, we must persevere to the end. Um, we ask this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.